Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to a recap episode of Liberty for Her. We're doing something a little bit differently this time. We're recapping each season. So you can take a minute to kind of listen to my two cents about each uh, episode and then go back and listen to it as as you like. Or it's a, a nice way at the end of the season to just be reminded of all the lessons that you learned. We started the season really wanting to uncover different pivot stories, pivots that were kind of forced or considered for a variety of reasons, whether it was as a result of the pandemic and the kind of economic challenges that many small businesses faced, or a result of what had happened post-George Floyd and this this kind of need for racial reckoning and the the unrest that was around us and how do we address that as businesses specifically. So we ended up starting the, the season off with an interview with Erica Corday, the topic, how to integrate values into your business. Erica's a DEI coach. She's the owner of Silver Immersions, a salon in Maryland that celebrates diversity, equity, and individually, naturally, right? And she also has a podcast called Pause on the Play. So in my conversation about pivoting, we focused on uh, kind of what businesses needed to be doing to thrive. She wanted to really dig into her work as a DEI coach that was really informed by the pandemic. It was work that she had been doing. It was work that she was sort of naturally doing at her salon and then became a coach herself, became certified and started to focus in in this area. And one of the things that was happening, perhaps for many of you, post, I, I don't want to say just George Floyd, but all the many things that, that came to a boil during 2020 uh, with regard to racial issues, I think a lot of people in our country were impacted and and businesses were trying to think about beyond the black uh, screen, beyond hashtags, what can we do? How can we think differently about our employees, our customers, how we market to people, the general shifts that we needed to be making so that we could become the allies that I think many of us wanted to be. And in Erica's DEI coaching and in our session with her, she was really able to help us consider how can we do that and really embody the values that we want to embody. Her own ideology is steeped in wisdom and insights, and you can make big or small changes and pivots and shifts in your own business after listening to her episode. One of my favorite quotes from Erica came when I asked her what trait an entrepreneur must possess, and she said resiliency. 
If you're not willing to test and try, screw up and do it again, this isn't the thing for you. And I think she's so right in saying that. We then moved on in episode 92. We moved on to an interview with Molly Songstang. And Molly is the co-founder of Madcap and Cave Day. In this interview, we focused mainly on Cave Day, one, because of its pivot story, but two, because of the actual work that they do and helping entrepreneurs to really focus uh, their work. We discussed their exponential growth due to the global pandemic and how they had to pivot and scale their business to adapt to that growth. Molly even prompted us to ask ourselves, you know, what are the people that are using our services asking for and how can we stay true to what's core to us, but also listen to what the world needs, something they did at Cave Day in order to pivot. We took advantage, of course, of having a productivity maven on hand, and we asked loads of questions about finding flow and harvesting the best hours of our workday. And she talked a lot about the importance of removing distractions um, and busy work so that we can actually accomplish deep, focused work uh, in condensed amounts of time, which was brilliant for me. Uh, if you guys haven't done a cave day, we recommend that you do. And there's actually a Liberty Code. What's the date today? Oh, it expires today. Shoot, never mind. <laughs> um, but we're going to be doing more with cave day. So we'll bring that to you. But I, I think one of the takeaways with uh, Molly is especially in this post pandemic, it's not even post pandemic, we're still living in this pandemic. But the this season where the lines have become so blurry between work life and home life, I think she gives a lot of uh, tools and insight into how we can he help navigate ourselves by focusing our time. My favorite quote from Molly was, uh, she said, we don't know what 2020 will look like. We don't know what 10 years from now looks like. But if we look at the bigger picture and stay agile, which is, I think, key to any entrepreneur, and remain focused on a particular service category or product, we can be less stuck in our narrow offering. And I think what she means when she says that is just to stay open to what we're ultimately trying to do and not necessarily the particular vehicle. Um, and that's allowed them as Cave Day, who primarily did you know in-person events to really focus uh, on the digital space. Again, that was uh, the episode with Molly was episode 92. Then we wanted to go back because we felt like it was a discussion we wanted to keep having. We wanted to go back and talk a little bit more and a little bit more you know, narrowly on this kind of these racial issues and how do we as businesses not just become allies, but really get good at listening before we make decisions on how we're going to act and what we're going to do. So we sat down with Lakeithia Nicole Anderson. Um, she's the founder of For Us, the agency. It's a creative agency that works primarily with Black-owned brands and talent to expand their reach and impact. The title of that episode was How to Pivot Forward from 2020. In our conversation, Lakeithia shared the challenges that Black-owned businesses face on a daily basis and the heightened challenges due to the pandemic. She gave us an education on how to be sensitive to the audience we were hoping to serve, distinguishing from performative actions versus what true allyship looks like. Lakeithia is a truth teller. I mean, you could just hear it in her voice. Um, and she's kind and she's gentle, but she's fiercely focused on her mission. And she was just a delight to talk to about something that was a really difficult conversation and one that we need to take to heart. 
She shares really practical advice on how we can make tiny shifts within our company that can create that impact, that huge impact, and move away from some of those performative bandages that I think many of us unintentionally may have fallen into last year, especially on social media. I really appreciated her opinion on a major issue, which is how some of the big box retailers were, in an effort to do something right, were tagging Black-owned business brands with something that said Black-owned brand, Black-owned business. And in fact, she says that's hurting Black-owned brands because oftentimes a consumer will look at that label and think, oh, it's for a Black consumer. It's not for me. When in fact, that's not the case at all. She even points out that there are many brands made by different uh, races and ethnicities that we don't have to point out. That's not Korean made. It's not Korean owned. It's not, you know, uh, Latino owned or made. So she really points out how this is ultimately what we want to move away from and something to be uh, mindful of. I had two favorite quotes from uh, from what Lakitha offered us. One was, we have to learn how to do life with each other. Once we learn how to do life with each other, we learn how to do business with each other. And the other one was, listen and learn, my friends. It's the only way out and up, which I thought was fabulous. You can listen to more from Lakitha. That was episode 93. Then we switched it up a bit. We went from racial issues to environmental issues. Got really serious um, this season. But it was a really fun episode. It was with Lindsay McCormick. She's the founder and CEO of Bite, which is an all-natural, zero-waste, tube-free, 100% vegan, gluten-free, and cruelty-free toothpaste tablet. Their mission is to become the most sustainable personal care company in the world. No, No small mission. Lindsay's really light and fun, so don't think this is going to be like some some sort of um, painful walk down all the the environmental woes. She somehow takes a, a really intense topic and finds a way to be a solution. And you'll you'll want to you'll want to buy bite. Elizabeth and I did. We we have our bites with us, and, and we've really enjoyed them. And. One of the things we talk about in our conversation is, well, we talk about two things. One, she really walks us through her own startup story and how all of this really came to be because of something she was passionate about. It wasn't even intended to be a business. It was intended to be for her own use and her family and friends. And she kept her day job. And she talks a lot about the importance of keeping her day job so that she could really create and run and operate Byte on her own terms. She actually says she didn't take any shortcuts and she was able to do everything the right way instead of making decisions that she would have paid if she needed to pay the rent. We called this episode, How Following a Question About Sustainability Can Build a Business. And her question was, why all the toothpaste tubes? As she was traveling around, she just realized she was going through so many toothpaste tubes that can't be recycled or reused for any other purpose and would end up uh, in our oceans. And she was a surfer, so she was literally running into the problem on a regular basis. We then talked about her exponential growth during COVID and how they had to pivot to try and manufacture from afar and how to, and they had to try and manufacture a process that was during lockdown where there were all these protocols and they couldn't be there on hand in the way that they had become accustomed to. 
And her entire team used to meet in her living room. They would work out of her space and now they were all remote. So she was also learning how to manage remotely. One of the cool things that came of the pandemic uh, with regard to Bite is they ended up producing hand sanitizer to give to LA's unhoused population, which was really amazing. That was a byproduct of something they care about and something they were able to do because they were working with a manufacturer. She also shares that much of their growth is due to a customer that be started to become really savvy during the pandemic. We started to care more and more about safe ingredients and our own health. And this catapulted uh, the bite clientele. More and more people were interested in what they were ingesting into their bodies, and they were able to satisfy that need. She also spent a little bit of time breaking down how core values really guide our progress and sustain us when the chips are down, that when we have that that thing that is vital to our business and our why and what we do, it kind of takes us through the, the difficult times. She doled out some practical advice on why and how you should pay close attention to your customer, especially the ones that know more than you do. My favorite Lindsay quote was, become your superpower. It gives you strength when things get really tough. You got to just keep powering through because it's bigger than any of my frustrations. For more from Lindsay, listen to episode 94. And then we transition again into a a small business um, who really from the pandemic and from this post-George Floyd season, really took it personally and upon herself to figure out as a Black woman how she was going to pivot internally the way she told the story about who she was and the way she created space for others. This interview with Angela Mayho, she's the founder of Angela Mayho, and also a new um, offering called Knit. It's a slow fashion handcrafted knitwear brand. And we spent time discussing her 15 years of retail experience, her love for knitting, and the slew of family and friends that were requesting finished pieces from her company, or from her, which launched her company. A highlight was talking to Angela about this concept of authentic code. I thought I knew what she meant, but you know, from the context of authentic code, but it was really in talking with her further that I realized that it was even more essential to our to our brand and our bottom line that I originally considered. I learned uh, that naming and claiming her authentic code was vital to her business and would be vital to ours, not only to its success, but its value in the world, which I thought was really insightful. She talks about her own authentic code informing how she built a slow fashion business and integrated her own lifestyles and musings into that business. She talked about how leaning further into who she was and who she wanted and needed to be as a black woman in a post-George Floyd world was informed by this authentic code. And she talked about how being fully seen and integrated into her brand was a way to invite others to come back to their authentic selves. She was not in her brand or in her social media in the same way that she started showing up. She was her model for her sweaters, but she was showing up in a very different way post-2020. And this was all part of this authentic code and the, the essentials of this authentic code. Naturally, the title of the episode is Understanding Your Authentic Code is Essential to Your Brand and Bottom Line. My favorite quote from Angela was, At a certain point, I just had to honor myself and really dig into my self-worth and say, no, this is who I am, and step into that space. 
Uh, You can hear more from Angela in episode 95. have pivoted during this pandemic, we too have shifted to meet the needs of our growing community of female founders. We want to use this podcast conversation as a starting point for deeper dialogue and to connect you to the resources, tools, and tips shared within these interviews. Please join us on the Liberty Network to connect, collaborate, and keep talking. And a few other perks in the Liberty Network, join our monthly virtual Mentor Monday meetups, create and share your profile with the whole community, and access a brain trust of entrepreneurial women, all for free. To join the conversation, head to libertyforher.com. That's L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R.com. And click on the bar at the top of the homepage that says, Join the Liberty Network. And then we switch it up again. This time we have a conversation with two people. I think one of the rare times that we've done that. We sat down with seasoned veterans, women who've been there and done that. And when you sit down with that type of woman, you expect to be educated about what to do and what not to do. You expect experience and wisdom to shed light on a way forward. But it's something very different and so much more empowering when those experts expose their own fears, their lack of certainty, their vulnerability, and how they forged ahead. This is precisely what happened when we sat down with Amy Williams, CEO of Citizens of Humanity, and Kimberly Lewis, the owner and buyer of Emerson Grace. Together, the three of us kind of dove deep into what is the retail and manufacturing world. Uh, What does it look like and what did it look like? during 2020 and how it was impacted, both in the short and long term. Obviously, the title of this episode was How 2020 Changed Fashion Forever and for Good. See what we did there. Did you get that? Amy and Kimberly shared a lot of lessons, what they had learned along the way, how business as usual will never return and why that's actually a good thing. Uh, The ways they shifted their businesses for good both as a retailer and as a manufacturer. Kimberly, when she pivoted, one of the things that she did as somebody who has a brick and mortar and no digital retail platform, she has a a website, but you can't buy from it. She started using social media, Instagram specifically, and created a hashtag called Shop the Rack. I think it's called Shop the Rack. Anyway, when you go to Emerson Grace, you'll see it. And she's literally, it's these videos where she's showing you what's new and what what the store has to offer. And from that, they saw exponential growth. Uh, and this was something that she, you know, was put in a corner to do. She didn't want to sell outside of the brick and mortar. She felt like it was a busy storefront and didn't need the 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 added headache, if you will, and it ended up exploding for them. And then Amy, uh, as running Citizens of Humanity and and the brand of various denim that are part of uh, that company, really had to think about how to protect all of her her employees on the manufacturing floor. They also stepped up to the plate and responded to the statewide need for for masks. And they started to shift all of their manufacturing to focus on making those masks during uh, this time for essential workers in LA. It was so refreshing to hear these two navigate the difficulty and how they really relied on their intuition and they were transparent in the way they treated people, told their employees what was up, 
had the difficult discussions with them, but treated people well uh, all along. And they were not afraid to innovate during that process and to change direction. And they were able to tell us all of this with a lot of honesty. I think you're really going to appreciate this conversation. Two of my favorite quotes, one from uh, Kimberly was, a deal is only a deal when both parties win. So when you can realize that it's not just about you, you really have to know that there's a give and take. And a good deal is when both people feel like they're winning. I just want to say that again. A good deal is when both people feel like they're winning. Often we go into thinking we're a good deal maker when uh, when we win, when the outcome is in our favor. But in fact, a really good deal maker is somebody who can find the win for both. Uh, and that produces long-term relationships and goodwill. Amy had this, this great quote that I think is um, sort of at the heart of liberty, but she says, the world needs everyone to be as they are. And I found that to be so refreshing, uh, again, from this CEO of a, a large company that she really sees people as who they are and even invites them to step into that space within their employment at, at Citizens. Uh, you can enjoy that conversation with Kimberly and Amy and I. That's episode number 96. Then I sat down with Shira Gill, a home organizing expert, author, speaker, founder of the 15-Minute Win and the creative force behind Shira Gill Home. Shira's mission is to inspire people to clear physical and mental clutter so that they can reduce their environmental footprint, create space for what they truly care about, and live lives more aligned with their core values. <laughs> it's quite a task, quite a feat. And she's taken all of this on in a few different ways. The title of this episode is How to Clear the Clutter and Focus on Values in Business and Life. Together, Shira and I are discussing how she pivoted uh, the majority of her business online due to the pandemic. So you can imagine somebody who's in the organizing space is somebody who physically goes into homes and helps people organize. And what she did well, she started to realize there was a real need to teach and educate other organizers. And so that became a big part of her pivot. In addition, she already had classes for people to engage in so they could organize their own closets. And that was something she was able to scale closets, kitchens, general workspaces. Uh, and so all of a sudden she went from part-time digital coursework and part-time in-person organizer to almost fully working on the organizational stuff. She also, right before the pandemic hit, was given a book deal and signed with Penguin and had this time, this year, to write it, only to find that her husband was Zooming from home and her two children were doing schoolwork from home. And she talked about having to navigate that, that space in her home where she could get quiet to get stuff done. And really with two working adults and two kids homeschooling, it took a lot of effort and planning to be able to fully focus on her work. She talks about how she carved out that space and the habit she created in doing that is something that she wants to teach other people to be able to do. She shared a lot about how these tiny shifts in her schedule and service offering actually allowed her to write a manuscript in six months, so half the time that she was given. And it also allowed her to start thinking about, gosh, if I could do that, how could I teach that for other people? How could I teach people to create that space to live a life that was aligned with their values? 
And along with her organizing online program, I think she really started to see that her work was uh, more of a lifestyle uh, that she was building. What started out as home organizing grew into now going into authoring. Her book comes out, I think, in June or July, she said. And now she was doing a lot of speaking on Zoom throughout the pandemic. It's really kind of come full circle to become this lifestyle brand. Talking with Shira made me once again acutely aware of the gap between living the dream or living with dreams and goals and living with intention. And the huge difference lies in being intentional about the time that we're spending to accomplish these things. Anybody can dream up something. Anybody can journal about what their goals and and their hopes are for their future. But it's somebody altogether different who's really leaning into those intentions and tackling them every step of the way, even 15 minutes at a time, according to to Shira. She would say beginning a clutter-free journey starts with identifying our values and using them as the foundation to make decisions about what we want, what we want to do, and how we want to do it. And my hope is that as you listen to this podcast, you'll each walk away with something that inspires you to make that sort of change in your own life, to work and even play with purpose and intention. My favorite quote from Shira was, really constrain your focus. What is the thing that you want to do? What is the one thing that you want? And you can hear more from Shira. I then had the pleasure of sitting down with Marin Costello of Marin Costello Jewelry. And it was interesting to talk to her about how her pivot was something slightly different from a, a twist or turn any Uh, in any one direction. It was an addition of another revenue stream that was slightly different from her jewelry business, but informed by her jewelry business. Marin decided that she would take take the market's lead in all these people who were asking her, how did you do it? Can you help tell me how to do it? I'm struggling with how to do it in building their product-based business. And she said, let me, let me put together a coaching program here. And that's exactly what she did. She talked about how to integrate those things while keeping the brand specific to its core using three social media handles, having them integrated on the website, but also distinct and different. She talked about the need to satisfy something within her where she could be working one-on-one with people, especially as the jewelry business was growing and she was putting employees in in place to deal with uh, some of the customer service things that she used to deal with. She also talked about how a move from LA to Florida was sort of helping her shape all of this and kind of what she wanted for her future and how the circumstances of 2020 dictated those things. But in the end, it was the kind of growth that needed to happen anyway and the kind of thing that she was going to lean into anyway. We also talked a lot about the sorts of shifts in various businesses that lead one to say, should I consider another revenue stream? And how related should it be to my existing business if it's something like what Marin's doing, where it's slightly different? I think she's a really good example of how to do that well. And I would encourage you guys to actually go to her website and her various social media handles, Instagram specifically, and you can find all of those in our show notes to to see what she did and how she did it. I know I learned by example, and I think that'll be a great, great one for you. 
I loved this quote from Marin. She said, I have new opportunities that come my way all the time. But if they don't align with my North Star, with what I think I want to do in the future or the lifestyle I want to live, it's a no. Ultimately, one needs to get clarity around the life they want to live. I love this quote so much. And I think we could all benefit from just having this paradigm shift in the way we think to consider things that align or don't align and make those our yeses and our noes. And lastly, we tied up the season with an interview uh, with Jessica Comingore Donay. And it was really fun to interview Jessica, somebody that we interviewed very early on. She must have been like a top 10 person, uh, number five. I'm getting Elizabeth, I can see her here, and she's telling me, number five, number five. And it was fun because this pivot story is slightly different in that we weren't talking about something that was informed by the economic impact of 2020 uh, or the racial impact of 2020. It was something that she and her husband decided that it was time to leave Los Angeles, move to Portland. His dream was to open a, a pizza place, a pizza donay for all of you who can get access to it. The pictures look insane, look delicious. And she was taking a break from her business, which was Marbury, which is a design studio, design and branding studio. And in that, got really caught up into her husband's dream and supporting uh, him and spent uh, her full time doing that. And during her break from, from Marbury and her brand and from design and branding, sort of realized what she wanted to go back to and what she wanted to leave behind. She relied on her strengths, left behind some of the things that she felt like were weaknesses and really started to see those as, instead of them being weaknesses, they were just signs of what she should be doing and shouldn't be doing. I thought that was really insightful and something that I think we could all kind of do a check-in with every six months or so in our life. She talks about the return to Marbury. She, she refers to it as Marbury 2.0. And the kinds of things that she'll do uh, in moving the client forward and asking deeper questions and really understanding the intersection of business strategy and branding. Uh, it's a great conversation. She gives us a few tips on how we can start to consider without hiring somebody like Jessica, what we should be doing in our businesses and how we should be approaching our brands and really think about thinking about who our customer is. And she also talks a lot about like getting back to your core and your own authentic self and how not only is that the work that you should be doing, but that that enables you to bring out the best of another, uh, of a customer, of another person. And she does it really well. She's a delight to listen to and to talk with. And I'm excited for you guys to be hearing that podcast for the first time. And I would even recommend that you go back to her initial podcast because it'll give you some insight into how much she's morphed over the last three or four years and, and the kind of growth that she's gone through as a business owner. She jokingly talks about how she and her husband as entrepreneurs have sort of made themselves, I think she says, unemployable, I think is the term. And it's so true as entrepreneurs, we often find that we've worked so hard to build that one thing that we um, we create a world in which entrepreneurship is the only opportunity for us going forward because that's where we really shine and that's where, that's who we are at our core. 
When I asked Jessica about the number one trait an entrepreneur must possess, she says grit. And I think uh, when you listen to this podcast and you hear about the year she's had, you'll see that that's something that she possesses in spades. Uh, And one that many of us, I think, when we get a little distance from this last year and, and even all that we're dealing with in 2021, we will realize that we too have flexed that muscle. There were two quotes from Jessica that really stood out to me in our interview. This one, uh, growth doesn't have to look like such intense change. It can just be pulling back and re-examining the situation that you're in. I loved that one. And I think it really speaks to the, the pivots or the shifts, the subtle shifts we talked about. And the second one, the more you can be rooted in your value as an individual and what you're bringing to the table, the easier it is to set boundaries. Amen to that one. Amen Amen to knowing our value and setting boundaries based on them. So there you have it. Nine stories of women who've pivoted, amazing women who have looked at what was before them and made changes, subtle changes or hard, hard rights, depending on what was needed. I hope you find yourself in these stories. I hope that they prove to be helpful as you navigate your own story. And speaking of stories, we've got a whole new season coming to you. And it's one based on this concept of, of launching later in life. And it's something that it, I've spent a lot of time thinking about. What does that look like? What does it mean? How do we do it when we feel like perhaps we've lost time? We don't um, have the most up-to-date technological know-how. And yet we've got all this life experience and all this expertise that's been built up over the years. So I'm excited to bring you nine more stories of women who've launched businesses uh, in their 40s and beyond and to tell those tales. It's a generation I've been calling Generation Next. Instead of the next generation, which we know to be Gen Z right now, it's really the generation that's looking for what's next? What's on the horizon for me? How can I take this season in my life, this new season, and make it something that I want informed by the past to be sure, but something that I'm looking forward to in the future. Can't wait to invite you into those stories. And until then, I hope all these stories have helped you to consider your own possibilities and liberate your dreams. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower. <laughs>